Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we actually have something pretty fun to talk about. Today yeah. we're talking about the 1996 musical comedy, Joe's Apartment. Finally. Finally. Waiting 70 episodes. It's been in the back for Joe's for Apartment. A while now. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. Uh, this plus uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip. Or like uh, the ones I used to like play all the time back in the day, like you know my VHS yeah. collector days. They're just fun movies, and it's a good background or whatever, good vibe. And I really, yeah, I really like this one just because the comedy. I mean, it's stupid, Counties gross like, out humor. It's stupid, and gross it's, out it's, humor, but it's a very important movie. The feel of it is like totally '90s MTV, exactly. you know. And, so like that's I guess that's where my comfort movie feeling comes from is that it gives me that good vibes of like my favorite times of like the nineties where it was like sick puppets and weird cartoons and occasionally yeah. some music videos, but you still had like cool shit. It wasn't like gobbledygook, like fucking reality TV show and got uh that fucking America's funniest videos rip off they got on like twenty four seven now. <laughs> that fucking jackass Rob ridiculousness yeah, oh god man so like <laughs> this shit is That's over the, the stupidest fucking show ever <laughs> not yeah this shit is stupid but it's not that stupid yeah and yeah i just missed the 90s vibe and shit so this like i said this movie is juvenile roast out humor but it's a pretty important movie this was the first ever MTV Films production. Correct. Uh, it was it was supposed to be the first of a two-picture deal with Geffen Pictures, and that deal ended when this movie was a complete and utter failure at the box office. Yeah, no, this, at the theater, just sucked ass, but, like, at home, you know, on your couch with a bong, you know, and your friends, exactly. this movie runs, yeah. Yes. Um, the movie was made on a budget of thirteen million dollars. It made four point eight million at the box office. Yeah. So the deal with Geffen Pictures ended, and uh, instead they brought in Paramount, which had been recently acquired by the parent of MTV, Viacom. Uh, so so Viacom had purchased MTV. Viacom purchased Paramount. Viacom told MTV, you're making movies with these people now. They know what the fuck they're doing. David Geffen can go fly off in his balloon. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's pro yeah, probably for the better. Yeah, it led to a string of TV shows and then eventually Beavis and Butthead do America. Oh, man, fuck yeah, dude. That was a great one. I saw that in theaters. It was great. In addition to being the first MTV Films production, this was the first ever feature film from Blue Sky Studios. They had been doing corporate logos and TV commercials. They invented the animated red M&M. <laughs> That's Billy West. Yeah. 
Uh, they would go on to make the wildly popular Ice Age franchise with Ray Romano, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Leary. I really can't stand those movies. They creep me out. <laughs> that sloth is just too damn creepy. And he's all over the place in those movies. I like the little squirrel chasing Eric Acorn. Everybody does. Oh, man. And yeah, and uh, I have bad feelings about that, too. A friend of mine had a dog <laughs> named after that character, and that dog hated me. Oh, geez. It was relentless. This scrat. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it, it scared the shit out of me every time I got near the house to start barking. Damn. Yeah. This was the first feature film for Billy West. Hey. Thing. Known for being the Red Eminem, he was also Stimson J. Cat in Ren and Stimpy. He was most of the Looney Tunes characters because he was one of the very few people who could perfectly replicate Mel Blanc's voice in Mel Blanc's prime. Yeah. Oh, man. Nah, this guy, like, if you're a fan of Futurama, you know who he is. Yeah, he is Fry. He is Professor Farnsworth, Dr. Zoidberg, and Zap Brannigan. But not only that, this guy not only like knows his craft is like one of the best ones in his craft, but yeah, he's like a historian, like the way he does his shit. Like, yeah, he could do perfect Mel Blanc doing other characters. Yeah, like it's fucked up. That's like so fucking weird. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. This is the final film credit for Rick Aviles before his death. He is best known for playing Willie Lopez, the guy who shot Patrick Swayze in Ghost. He actually re uh, voiced one of the one of the cockroaches. It's rated PG-13 for comic violence and an F-bomb near the end of the movie. Hour and 20 minutes long. It's got a 19% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics absolutely hated this movie. Complaining that good short films do not make good feature films, and they're right. They're absolutely right on that. Ah, I, I think it's a coin toss when you do shit like that. I say you, predominantly most of the time you're right, but if you, if you do it, if you you work the strong points of the story and shit, yeah, and you get like a good like a script writer or something, or if you really know who you're selling the story to, if you're really pandering to the audience, you can like sell something that they'll buy but right yeah you you you're mostly right on that i think <laughs> joe Layden of variety magazine said unfortunately nothing that any of the humans contribute to joe's apartment is nearly as interesting as the musical numbers and comedy riffs of the cockroaches he nailed that yeah no it's really bad when you're getting upstaged by cgi cockroaches <laughs> And That's they do true. so. I mean, uh, these these cockroaches are animated with the same shit that was used in Jurassic Park. Yes. So you know this ain't like you know fly by night cockroach CGI animation warehouse. This is like some no, there's nice, a lot of work went into this. Uh, it, they meld well with the fucking because it's also puppets too in there, but it's mostly CGI. Right. But uh, oh, it's great. Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times wrote Joe's apartment may well have been a funny MTV short. But stretched to feature length, it's got to be the most putrid picture since the Garbage Pail Kids movie nearly a decade earlier. Damn. Those are strong words because I've seen the Garbage Pail Kids movie on multiple occasions. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, I'm uh, not surprised. <laughs> uh, that movie's god-awful. And this one's not <laughs> that bad. I like this movie. 
It's a great movie. Oh, I like Be- the movie better, too. Better than Garbage Pail Kids, man. This this is a fun watch. It really is. If Quick you watch. want, if you want to just turn off your brain and point at the TV and go, <laughs> this is the movie to do it. Yeah, if you're like in a doctor's office, like waiting to get your arm sewed back on, it's a great movie to watch on your phone. And if you don't mind a little cringe because of the bugs, I mean, the bugs, oh my God. Uh, Not all the bugs in here are CGI and puppets. Uh, Some of them are real. Yeah, if you you no mistake in those. If if that one part in Creep Show got you squeamish and shit and you almost fainted, don't watch this movie. Yeah. You're going to have night flashbacks and nightmares. It's just going to be bad, and just don't do it. Movie was written and directed by John Payson. He created the short film Joe's Apartment, which was the source material for the movie. He also produced opening segments of MTV's The Big Picture and the MTV game show Remote Control. One of my favorite shows growing up. That show is fucking legendary in my book. Uh, you know, Colin Quinn got to start on that shit. And I don't know. Yeah. Just, I, I like the, the vibe of it and shit. Uh, also, that that short movie, that's yep. like, uh, this is really deep. It was kind of like really cool and stuff. It's not like this. This is like complete opposite of that short film. Like that one, it was like kind of has some comedic moments, but then it was kind of like deep and sad and shit. This one is like over the top, stupid Looney Tunes. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Stop motion animation by Peter Wallach. He worked on the Transformers TV series, Little Shop of Horrors. And Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Fuck yeah. Model maker Sal DeNaro. He worked on The Dark Crystal, The Muppet Show, The Muppet Movie, and, very timely mention here, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, We miss you, people. Yeah. And assistant cockroach wrangler David A. Brody. He is also responsible for wrangling roaches for monsters and for creep show. The the Roach Wrangler was Raymond Mendez, who was also the Moth Wrangler and stylist for Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, they oh, had yeah, two people involved. connected to this movie whose responsibility was making the bugs show up for when they used actual real cockroaches. Make sure they showed back up when they like were done filming. And stuff. Okay, yeah, he's not dead. This one's alive. We got them all. And make sure they all get back in the box, too. Yeah. Oh, roaches. man, yeah. <laughs> Girls on deposit on the studio. Yeah, exactly. Movie stars Jerry O'Connell as Joe, known for Stand By Me, my favorite sci-fi series, Sliders, and a whole bunch of voice acting, including the voice of Superman in a bunch of DC animation. And the voice of Jack Ransom in Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yeah, man. I grew up just watching like almost every Jerry O'Connell movie. He's now, always been here. I don't know. Yeah. Anybody who has seen Jerry O'Connell on the daytime talk show, The Talk, which is, you know, celebrity interviews and news of the day, they've seen Jerry O'Connell basically being himself. And. You know, in movie and shows like Sliders, he was definitely acting. And when you compare the two in this movie, Jerry O'Connell's just being himself. <laughs> oh. Jerry O'Connell is an awkward dork. There's no question about that. He's 
better than his brother, man. Have you ever seen that dude? I uh, don't think I have. Oh, he was on Sliders too. Uh, oh, is was he Amish Quinn? Yeah, he was. It was like it's like Jerry O'Connor with like a bigger forehead. <laughs> way more oh, awkward. And, but yeah, no they could have let but... that show die when Jerry O'Connell left. Yeah, uh, it just went on way too long. When Quinn got replaced by Amish Quinn, that was just too much. Yeah, it's like it's like. I don't know. We can't make Rocky two without you know Sly. What we're gonna let's get Frank Stallone. Yeah, it's not there gonna work. There we go. Yeah. You imagine the rest of those Rocky movies are Frank filling in for Rocky. That would have been like just uh. Much like when they tried to make the that Blues Brothers movie with Dan Aykroyd, John Goodman, and Jim Belushi. Was Jim Belushi in that one? Maybe he wasn't, but I know John Goodman was. Yeah, no, it was Brothers 2000. Yeah, that was. Yeah. They, well, I remember they put a kid. There was like a kid in there. It was like John Goodman and a kid. Oh, and hell. And Daddy, Daddy yeah. yeah, no, it was. It sucked. I got free passes. I got to think to go see that. Megan Ward is Lily Doherty. She was in Trancers 2 and 3, Encino Man, Melrose Place, most of the early 2000s cop procedurals. And she spent 13 years on the daytime soap opera General Hospital. Those transfer movies are the shit. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, uh, man. They're like uh, uh, Full Moon Entertainment, like fucking classic, like Charles Band, classic Charles Band shit. Like, we I ought, to, we ought to add one. Yeah. The first one came out on Empire, you know, back in the day. And it's right. uh, them all. They, like, fan, Helen Hunt's in them and shit. They're great. Oh, hell yeah. Jim Turner as Walter Shit. <laughs> he is best known as Kirby Carlisle on the MTV series Arliss. He also appeared in The Lost Boys, St. Elmo's Fire, and most recently in The Righteous Gemstones. I show rules. He was, uh, oh, shoot, the cousins that showed up and, and when they were going to steal the monster truck, he was their dad. Yeah. And Robert Vaughn as Senator Doherty. This guy. Oh, is an acting Iron Man. He's got 230 acting credits from 1955 until 2017, the year after he died. Yeah. Oh, God. This guy's been one of my favorites uh, since, like, The Man from Uncle. And, uh, like, yeah, those old, like, spy shit he used to do. He used to, like, he's one of those guys who's, like, an American actor. They they lived in England, so they just hired him everywhere. The new yeah. American actor. Yeah, uh, he he did a hundred and five episodes as Napoleon Solo in The Man from Uncle. He was also be, in yeah. The Magnificent Seven, The Towering yeah. Inferno, and Superman Three. Yeah, uh, he played the bad guy in that. Um, he's a great, great actor. Uh, did a lot of Roger Corman shit, which I, I really appreciate. So the movie opens with the New York skyline and the Statue of Liberty. Then the title song. Sung by cockroaches as we fly along behind a cockroach over New York City. That's nice. Nice uh, thing. Yeah. Pre, uh, pre-drone technology. So yeah, so like, they did wow. this with a helicopter. Yeah, they had to do this. Then a bus pulls into the station and unloads Joe, who is promptly mugged three times. Oh, man, no, that shit's great. Uh, it's like... <laughs> He's getting off the bus and he's dictating a letter to his mom, right? He's like, Dear right. mom, I just made it to New York safe and sound. It's great. And then freeze 
twerp and like just pop pop you know and just he takes some of his shit and then it's like dear mom uh i just arrived in new york and uh and it's like freeze you know and it just until it's just dear mom new york's terrible please send money yeah (laughs) it's great then there's a flyover shot with a caption that reads east village and the population is very rapidly dropping We see Joe in a diner getting coffee in a dirty cup while searching the classifieds for an apartment. His mother sent him some money, which he promises to pay back, but everything is outrageously expensive by 1996 New York standards, which actually sound a lot like 2023 Nashville standards. Yeah, no. It's It's like 300 uh... square feet for $1,100 a month. Grim warning, a message in a bottle. (laughs) Yeah. As Joe walks down the street in a derelict part of town, he sees a man lying in a pool of blood on the sidewalk. He runs up to the man to ask him if he's all right, and as soon as he touches the guy, the man sits up. This was a piece of performance art. He has been lying there, ignored by everyone, for two days, seven hours, 23 minutes, and four seconds. That's got to be like a record. Yeah, it's got to be. This is Walter shit. And no, he is not okay. He's an artist. <laughs> oh, man. So he and Joe go to a diner, and, well, and Walter is explaining his art to Joe. Joe's looking for an apartment for about 100 bucks a month. I had an apartment in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska in 1988. It was a third-floor walk-up. Right outside the window, close enough that I could reach out and touch it, was just a solid brick wall of the building next door. It was mm. as stereotypical first uh, uh, first apartment as you could get. Yeah, classic sounding. So he wanted to pay about 100 bucks a month. Walter goes, hey, check this out. Joe here thinks he can find a rent-controlled apartment. Yeah. And everybody laughs. Uh, Walter explains what rent control is, basically. In order to help people afford to live in the city, some apartment buildings had their rent frozen by the government. And of course, if you can't make money off of it, why are you going to bother repairing it? So they basically become slums. Yeah. But no one can get a rent-controlled apartment because nobody leaves unless the landlord helps them leave, you know, by killing them. (laughs) Cut to Vladimir and Jesus Bianco in a a tenement. An old woman, Mrs. Grotowski, lives here. And they are going, they knock her down the stairs. She tumbles all the way down the stairs. Well, about halfway down. Then she falls over the railing and splats on the landing below. And stands up and starts humming her little tune again and walks right out the door. (laughs) (laughs) They're always tougher than they look. (laughs) she exits the building as walter and joe are walking past joe hollers hey miss grotowski and mrs grotowski immediately has a heart attack and falls dead throwing her keys up in the air which joe catches walter says that mrs grotowski had no family but joe can pose as her son and take her apartment which he immediately does i love that scene it's like when she falls a big thing of dust just like pops up in the air with the keys yeah. and like just automatically catches them. Yep. Like they were magnetized to his hand and yeah, it's like <laughs> light comes down from the sky and shit or something. It's like, 
Uh, well, inside the apartment, there is chattering as Joe enters. These are the voices of the cockroaches. This apartment is a trash pit, including a refrigerator full of rotten moldy food. Joe picks up a piece of toast that has a roach on it, but the roach flies off, so he eats the toast. Two other roaches, Shlomo and Charlie, are floating in a bottle of booze, and, and they're yeah. kind of worried that it's going to be bad for them, but it's okay. He chooses a different bottle. He takes a big old drink of old hound dog. <laughs> then we get time lapse of trash piling up as Joe lives in this apartment and posters going up on the wall. Joe is talking to his mom on the phone. He's still looking for a job. Uh, Alberto and Jesus, uh, they overhear this. and um, Or Jesus and Vladimir, not Alberto. and Jesus and Vladimir, they overhear this. But Joe's mom is supposed to be dead. So uh, when they knock on the door, Joe pretends that he is praying to his mom <laughs> and then answers the door. Well, there you are there to collect the rent. The rent is $50. Damn. Yeah. No wonder this place is such a dump. Well, no, if you look at it, when the establishing shot, it was just like a skinny uh, three-story apartment in the middle of a vacant lot where all the other buildings have been just like trash demolished, flattened right. to the ground. Yeah, this so is the look. last remaining building on this block. Right. And they they make sure to threaten Joe before they leave. Riding the city bus, Joe is narrating a letter to his mom when he sees Lily hanging a flower basket in her alleyway atrium. And, of course, Joe immediately falls in love. Yeah. Because uh, comedy rom, uh, you know, musical rom-com. Yeah. She looks totally different than she did in Freak. Yeah. Uh, it's like a completely different chick. It seems like... Uh... I, I guess lighting and shit, but yeah, rom-com rules. Well, her hair's different, her clothes are different. Attitude's kind of different. Yeah, the attitude's a lot different. He's not being treated like shit by Bruce Campbell. True. Back at his apartment, Joe is listening to music as one of the other tenants is dropped from the fire escape to her death. Joe calls 911 about this and gets put on hold forever, so he gives up and in, instead calls the New York City Central Complaint Department, where they answer the phone first, listen to what your problem is, and then put you on hold. Oh, so like just basic telemarketing. Yeah. <laughs> IT guy, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, Joe lists all of his complaints to Lily, who congratulates him on having the worst call she's had all day. But then the clock hits 10 minutes before the hour and everybody goes on break. So she puts Joe on hold and goes out to water her flowers. She's out there with her friend named Blank. Do you think they forgot to fill in the name and then decided, oh, this would be funny? Like the script? Like, oh, yeah. this would just be her friend's name. I don't know. Blank and Lily are in the garden with some of the... Most wooden dialogue I've ever heard in a movie. The woman who played Blank just cannot act. Well, she's a rapper. That's Peppa from Salt and Peppa. She probably right. got on there because MTV. But yeah, right. I guess she's playing herself, not really acting. Yeah, probably so. This is when we find out Lily's dad <laughs> is a senator. And we cut to the senator senator's office. He's looking out the window, and he opens up his shirt to reveal the lingerie underneath. Yeah. 
And then that goes nowhere. That's just some like little fucking character quirk of his. It's fucking yeah, funny. Yeah. It it's not part of the story. It doesn't do anything except oh yeah, he's a politician. Also, he likes to wear women's clothes. Little Jagger Hoover stab. I don't know. It, it, Robert Vaughn's having fun with it. He really sells that shit. <laughs> he really does. That that look on his face is like ha ha ha, no one knows. And it's just He's having his little moment before the meeting, you know, before he like brings out his like, you know, super cool model and evil plan to like take over the city and shit. Yeah, but his evil plan involves Alberto Bianco who enters. Alberto Bianco played by Don Ho, you know, the hey, tiny bubbles Ho. guy. I just remember him from his shirts and like uh, Hawaii Five-0. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> tiny bubbles. <laughs> Tiny bubbles, yeah. He owns the last remaining tenement uh, on the block, and Joe is the last person living there. Once he's gone, they can demolish the building and build the Manhattan Federal Penitentiary on that site. They're going to build a high-rise prison right in the middle of the East Village. Cut back to Blank and Lily. They see some kids playing in the trash in an empty lot. I love this gag. They are building oh, yeah, a no, crack this... house from discarded syringes. That is totally like MTV in the 90s. They would do oh, like yeah. crazy shit like uh, like liquid television. Oh, my God. I can't believe they went there. So they built a little house out of discarded you know, cocaine syringes, heroin syringes, whatever. Heroin syringes. I am like the last person that should be talking about drug stuff because I have no credibility <laughs> there. None at all. Well, Lily wants to turn this vacant lot into a garden. That night in Joe's apartment, Joe tosses a Chinese food container at the trash and misses, spilling noodles all over the floor. And the roaches just love this guy. He's the best. That's why they call him the mayor. <laughs> Well, Joe is daydreaming about Lily, and then he goes to sleep. Well, the roaches in the noodles are talking about how great Joe is when somebody breaks the window and busts into Joe's apartment. It's Vladimir and Jesus, and the roaches scatter. They run into the walls where they gather around a lit match, stood up in a pile of noodles. Yeah. Vladimir and Jesus are busting up Joe's apartment, but the roaches are not going to stand for this, and they attack. And they are shouting encouragement to Joe as they run through the springs in the couch, and, and Joe can hear them for the very first time. Now, Joe is hiding under a blanket as these guys are breaking up his apartment, but then he sneezes, so the thugs know where he is. When they pull the blanket back, his Joe's face is just covered with cockroaches. Yeah, like a mask. It's very disturbing. Yeah, and they're all moving and swarming and shit. So it's like constant moving, but his eyes are clear and his mouth is clear. So it's a perfect mask. Yeah. Roaches swarm across the ceiling. And when you see them running along the, the molding up on the ceiling, it's actual real cockroaches. But then they start lining up in formation and, and it becomes CGI cockroach. Yeah. When when you watch this, how do they make those roaches look so real? By using real roaches. Oh, yeah, no. You, you can definitely tell when it's real roach or when it's fake. Because uh, even, like, with the real roaches, they, they crank the speed of the film up, and then the CGI yeah. roaches are is, is kind of normal. Yeah. Well, one of the cro roaches 
lands on Vladimir's face and starts yelling insults at Jesus, who opens fire, blowing big holes in the wall. Well, the roaches continue to heckle, and Vlad and Jesus both start shooting up the apartment. Then the roaches, Vladimir's got to reload, and he pops the clip into his gun and pulls the trigger, and it just clicks. And a roach yeah. comes crawling out of the barrel and says, hey, why do you think they call it a roach clip? Uh, <laughs> that's the corny humor that you're gonna expect in this fucking movie yeah it's, it's horrible like the roaches their their voices and shit the style of the voice that they're using is like it's the member berries from south park you know it's like these old yeah. retired like jewish couples in florida you know it's just like <laughs> kind of like this old villain old couple you know it's like generic old people voice yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty bizarre. It's kind of a member berries, the chipmunks, the Smurfs. Yeah, a little bit of jerky boys in there, you know. It's a like bit, yep. Vladimir and Jesus, they freak out. They throw their guns down and roaches come swarming out of the guns. Uh, they run off and the roaches pull the rug out from under them, tripping them up. Then they assemble on the floor in front of Jesus and Vladimir and they deliver an ultimatum. Either these guys leave Joe alone, or they will find a roach in every meal they ever eat for the rest of their miserable lives. Uh, the thugs yeah. agree pretty quickly, and they go running out, falling down the stairs, and sliding into empty bowling uh, empty bottles that are arrayed like bowling pins by the front door. Also, roaches talk. Roaches talk, yeah. Okay, all right, I'll go with it. Yeah, and Joe is freaking out about the roaches. Because not only are there roaches all over his apartment, they fucking talk. So he talks to them, and we get our very first musical interlude as the bugs sing Joe to sleep, tucking him in at the end of the song. Yeah, it's like not only we can talk, we can sing an instant. Like a barbershop quartet. Yeah. Sunrise over the city and a cockroach POV shot under the front door and across the filthy floor to Joe, who is sleeping on a nasty mattress on the floor. Mm -hmm. Joe wakes up and thinks this was all a nightmare. So he sits down at the table with his comic book and he pours himself a bowl of cornflakes that just happens to be filled with sleeping cockroaches. Gross. And there's a super cringy scene where he's not paying attention. He just scoops up a spoonful of cornflakes. There's two roaches on the spoon, and he almost puts it in his mouth and stops. And then he almost puts it in his mouth, and this time you can see it from inside his mouth looking out. So you know where the that, cockroaches are going to go. Before that, it's like you see a leg sticking out of his mouth, like when he realized what he did. It's like, eh. Yeah, no, that's that's fucking that's a roast. That's a roast yeah. Chicken. He finally puts the spoon in his mouth, and there are two cockroaches, Ralph and Rodney, on the spoon, and he just stops, <laughs> realizing, oh crap, there's something wrong here. <laughs> that that old crap moment. There's totally a cockroach leg sticking out of his shit. <laughs> well, he takes the spoon out of his mouth, and he's talking to the roaches. He says, how many of them are you here? Are How many of you are there here? He says, oh, not too many. Just 20, 30, 40,000. Yeah. In this apartment, anyway. And they they can all talk. They don't talk to most people. 
because most people smush bugs first and ask questions later. But Joe's different, or at least they think. Joe's going to show them. He tries to squash a bug, which causes a pot to fall on his head, knocking himself out. Mm. Now, the bugs want to be his friend and just live and let live. And Joe's kind of freaked out, so he, he's going to leave right now. Most of the cockroaches, when they're talking, we can't see them. We just see things moving, suggesting that the roaches are behind them, like the Virgin Mary nightlight and the sock on the floor and most of the kitchen utensils. That old lady's bra. And the tube of hemorrhoid cream when a roach asks, what's up, asks, what's up his butt? Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, I get the joke, but like, is, is he in the tube? I, I think that's not. the I think that's the the uh, idea there. That's crazy. This is a stupid movie. <laughs> We're like uh, nine minutes into the movie, and it took you that long. <laughs> well, the brooches are going to keep an eye on Joe, just in case you know, just in case he needs their help. All right. So Joe is working as a bicycle pizza delivery guy for Retardo's Pizza. It's not spelt the way you think it is. No, it's spelled with an I instead of an E. But the rest of it's right. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pronounced that way. But but yeah, it's got generic pizza guy on it, you know. Yeah. He's delivering pizza to somebody's apartment, and there's a big sign on the door. It says, attention, do not disturb. And disturb is spelled wrong. Because <laughs> I apostrophe am having sex okay, so beat it. Bye-bye. By the House of Fear, 1995. 1995, uh, the basis movie. That's when they made the movie, was in 95, yeah. yeah. Well, the couple opened their box of cockroach-covered cheese pizza, and that kicks off the getting fired montage. Oh, man, I love montages, and this movie's full of... <laughs> First, he gets fired by Sal Piero. I love Sal Piero. Then he gets fired from the print shop because the Chinese restaurant menus have a giant roach on them. Yeah. He gets fired by a priest. He gets fired from a construction job by Bam Bam Bigelow. I love Bam fired... Bam Bigelow. I do too. He gets fired by a clown and he gets fired from a movie theater. Man, he sucks. He really sucks. He got fired by Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, man, that caused Bam Bam Bigelow's eye to pop, and he's got like a busted blood. (laughs) Well, that night as Joe sleeps, Ralph and Rodney feel bad for him until he knocks over a beer bottle. Then they're going to go drink up the beer. And as they drink, they see a reflection behind them of a house cat, their mortal enemy. And the roaches panic as the cat stalks them. And most of the roaches manage to scramble away, but Ralph gets uh, Ralph gets cornered, so he starts doing a really bad stand-up routine, because why not? Yeah, he gets cornered literally in a corner of the house, and then a spotlight is on him. And of course, this cat's like the meanest looking cat. I don't know. Yeah, this the cat, cat looks like he could fuck up something. Oh, yeah, no, this cat has been in some knife fights. So, yeah, uh, (laughs) it corners him and immediately starts, uh, so you you come here early, you know, or you come here a lot, you know, shit like that, you know, trying to disarm the cat. Cat ain't buying it. Cat is not buying it, but that's okay. 
Because Cousin Tiny from Texas shows up to save the day. Ah, shit, son. He ropes the cat and begins a kitty cat rodeo, and we get our next musical interlude as Cousin Tiny rides this cat, buck and bronco style, all around the apartment. With a little cowboy hat on. I got to add With a little cowboy hat on. I love that part. Yeah, he's a cockroach with a cowboy hat. Well, he's from Texas, so. Yeah. (laughs) He's from Texas, so everything he has to, everything he says has to include the words, well, I'm from Texas, so. Yeah. That means he is, I'm from Texas. Yeah. Well, Joe wakes up when they knock over his fishbowl, which causes the fish to fall into his mouth and choke him. The cat starts spinning wildly and then flies into the air and latches onto Joe's face. Joe is trying to pull the cat off, which causes oh the cat's arms to stretch out like what's his name's eyeball in the feast. I'm saying is how <laughs> come they haven't done that in one movie? That shit is straight up fucking funny. Literally trying to pull a cat or a dog or whatever's off. They do that in movies all the time, correct? <laughs> Am I right? I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know the movies right off the top of my head i don't i don't know if they do or not but they should yeah in well this now movie, ben stiller did it in something about mary yeah that's what i'm talking about but the way that they did in this movie with the stretchy arms that shit is that's... genius <laughs> well the cat finally lets go and so does joe apparently because it just launches the cat right out the window that's great and that is the end of the kitty cat. Oh, and Joe pauses to spit his goldfish back into its bowl. Yeah, he didn't actually swallow the on. goldfish. And like the cat did some while I was getting rid, knocked the goldfish bowl over. Yeah, or something. It Joe choked on it. Woke up like, what the fuck's going on? And then got attacked by a cat. Yeah, it, it was. It, oh God, it was crazy. That whole scene. Go if if you don't want to go watch this movie, you don't want to spend like you know. An hour and some odd minutes. Just watch that scene. Just that one scene. You get hooked. Well, Joe has saved Ralph, and this is the first time ever that a human has saved a cockroach. So the cockroaches make Joe a promise. They will never follow him to work again. (laughs) Joe gets another letter, is, is dictating another letter to his mom about finding a job. He is headed out to an interview. He's got his interview suit on. He walks out the front door and a bucket of paint drops on his head. (laughs) This is another art piece by Walter Shit. Where the hell did Walter disappear to? Shit. I don't know. I know. Well, Walter decides he's going to help Joe out. Can Joe play drums? No. That's perfect. You want to be the drummer in my band? Yeah. New York in the You know, 90s, I got a man. job like that one. Yeah? Yeah, a guy came up to me, I'd gone to see the woman I was married to at the time. A friend of hers was putting together an audition tape to do a magic show on a cruise ship because I guess his life didn't suck hard enough at that point. Yeah. And uh, we were there because it had to be taped in front of an audience. And we were there and a guy came up to me and he says, hey... I'm doing a TV show, and do you have any acting experience? And I said, no, I've never acted. And he said, that's perfect. You want to be in my show? And that's oh, how I ended up playing Jerry Seinfeld. 
dude yeah man I, okay yeah i've seen this uh, dude hey you did a good job i've seen this clip people uh it's funny as fuck uh spot on jerry though i mean i don't get it i got it i got, I got it <laughs> but it was this was now keep in mind this was almost 30 years ago when i was 30 years younger and 30 years skinnier yeah it was a completely different world yeah it wasn't quite 30 years ago it's like 96 so like 27 years ago 30 years ago don't go rounding <laughs> up on me jesse damn i'm old enough as it is well you can't round down you legally can't do that it's not, it's, it's I, I didn't make rules man i can round down to 30 <laughs> yeah round it down to 30 okay i'm 50 I'll be 56 next month, so we'll round that down to 30. That makes me 32. (laughs) (laughs) Now who's doing the math? Yeah, next month is my 56th birthday. Oh, oh, yeah. Shit, I'm almost 60 years old, Jesse. That's that's not good. I don't think I... Yeah, I kind of got mad when I'm... I'm going to make it through it. I'm going to make it... Here we go. I'll, I'll get the stopwatch ready and go. So... Walter wants Joe to be the drummer in his band and the old he explains that the old drummer was killed and he's explaining this as um a police shootout takes place right in front of them New York which they kind of ignore because yeah it's just a police shootout why get excited over that but Walter explains that their old drummer was killed by a crack dealer who this was dumb he cut the drummer's throat so bad that his mother couldn't even recognize it, couldn't even identify the body. Uh, it's an old joke, you know. It's a very like, old joke, and it wasn't even good when it was a new joke. That's the thing. It's an old joke, but then, like, you got that, and then, like, it's, like, in a weird 90s scene. Like, it, like with the cops just pop in front of them and shoot somebody right. across the street. It's supposed to be a throwaway joke because you're supposed to be focused on the criminal and the police shooting at each other right in front of these guys as they walk and talk in New York. Yeah. But then he tells them, like, the band name. What's the name of the band, Jesse? Oh, it's shit. That's a great band. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like, oh, and here, I need you to put these flyers up. And, and Jerry O'Connor is like, oh, that's a great band name. And the next thing you know is, like, him pastering, like, he's- this entire wall. With this, this one word poster just says shit. Yep. <laughs> and right around the corner, Lily is doing the exact same thing with flyers about her community garden. <laughs> Jerry tries to introduce himself and make small talk, but she is not interested until he asks about her community garden project. And she says that it, the only thing they really need is fertilizer, and Joe is on it. <laughs> whatever it's funny, it takes like, to keep him talking to this girl she wants fertilizer and on the other side of the wall he's just got shit all over it's it. just a giant wall of shit yes yeah i got i got plenty of that yeah let me get a view of the new york skyline at night joe is writing a letter to lily up on the rooftop and the roaches are suggesting incredibly lewd things to put into his letter <laughs> there's some nasty roaches man they are nasty roach. They don't understand why Joe wants privacy, and so he tells them to shut up, so they leave in a huff, but not really. Joe writes in his letter that he wants to help Lily with her community garden, and, 
And Ralph says, plow her field, Joe. You got to tell her to, you want to plow her field. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe lunges at him and misses and falls off the roof, but lands on the fire escape right outside his window. Ralph says, dames secretly like it when you give them shit. So Joe has decided that's exactly what he's going to do. And he starts collecting manure from the horse-drawn carriages around New York. <laughs> he tries to nonchalantly like walk past these like uh horse drivers, but he's wearing like big thick work gloves and he's carrying a plastic bag and he's like whistling like Yeah, ah, just you know, take no notice of me. I'm not gonna and just bam, <laughs> the horse is looking back like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like dumbass. He fights a guy for his dog poop. Yeah, like some banker guy in a suit over like a fucking dog turd. Yeah. Just get and, the, and there's a circus parade. Oh man, bingo jackpot! So Joe is picking up the elephant shit with his bare hands and stuffing it into plastic bags, which he then takes home with him on the city bus. Uh, yes. So he's sitting on the bus with this big bag of elephant shit in his lap, stinking up the whole bus. As the bus passes by Lily's little alleyway atrium, Joe sees her run into the arms of another man, and he is heartbroken. Cut to an upscale restaurant where Lily is having lunch with her father, the senator. Her boss called him. Yeah, her boss called him and complained that she is spending a lot of time in her little garden. And he also wants to know, where she got those earrings, since he is secretly a crossdresser. <laughs> Lily tells her dad about the community garden project that she wants to start, but that's the same block, the same vacant lot where he is planning to build his Manhattan federal penitentiary. She's not discouraged at all. She's got a 30-day gardening permit, and she is certain that by the time that permit expires, she will have all of the East Village behind her. She walked out. Well, Joe takes his giant bag of shit home and delivers letters to the cockroaches. Uh, He just kind of throws the letters, and then you see the letters kind of scuttle away across the floor as the roaches carry them off. Joe also got a letter from his mom. Seems she got him an interview with P.I. Smith & Sons, P.I.S. and S. Piss. And she went to school with the owner. P.I. Smith and Sons makes urinal cakes. 20 million men piss on his name every single day. (laughs) (laughs) And he is super creepy about Joe's mom. It's like they they filmed the scripted line and then they filmed a whole bunch of alternates and they just used them all. Oh, yeah. It's the kind of stuff that they would normally have put in the gag reel in the closing credit. It's like also stuff that they would use like in uh, like uh, the trailer or something. But I think I think most of it's like this this actor, the guy that got they got to play him. Yeah, uh, he's really good at improv and shit. So they just they kind of let him off the chain, let him do his thing, and they're like, you know what? They're all really good. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a funny guy, but he, he just goes, he, he amps the creep up all the way and just lets it loose. Well, Joe's job is to collect used urinal cakes from the public toilets while wearing a PIS and S yellow jumpsuit. Oh God. 
His first stop is 58 East 161st Street, which is the actual real address of Yankee Stadium. <laughs> there must be a whole bunch of urinal cakes in Yankee Stadium. Oh, yeah. Well, Joe returns. Urinal cakes. Yeah, that's what he's there for. Joe returns home with a backpack full of used urinal cake, and the roaches are watching porn on their community access TV channel. Gotta love New York, man. Man, oh man. Joe is reading an issue of Love and Rockets, which was one of the first 80s indie comics to really take off. Uh, Not to be confused with the band Love and Rockets, which was also formed in the 80s and emerged from the ashes of what had previously been Bauhaus. Yeah, they named their band after that comic, actually. Yeah. Fucking their first comic he was reading at uh when he's eating breakfast and shit early in the movie. That was yep. eight. Another one of those great uh, early independent 90s comics. Nice. Well, Joe is down because his job sucks and Lily has a boyfriend. Ralph tries to cheer him up by pointing out that good things grow out of shit. Like those flowers growing out of the bag of elephant shit. Yeah. Next day, Lily and Blank are working in the community garden, and she is Blank is not into it. <laughs> uh, Joe arrives, and he gives Lily the flowers, which she studied in college by coincidence. Apparently, they only grow in Sri Lankan elephant shit. She asks about PSPISNS, and he lies and tells her it's a bank. <laughs> He thought he, yeah, she thought he was in a band, and she asks about the used urinal cakes, and, and he tells her they are super mulching pellet. So he invites her to see the band tonight, and she's reluctant, but eventually she agrees to go. On TV, the Roaches are watching alternate alternative life with Charlie Roach. <laughs> It's a panel discussion show on cross-species relationships that immediately devolves into chaos. Charlie Roach, of course, is a play on Charlie Rose, who had a PBS panel discussion show, and he co-hosted CBS this morning until being fired for his perviness uh, in the height of the Me Too movement. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Me Too. If you're an asshole pervert, you should expect to be taken down publicly, and I have no sympathy for you. Also, like, yeah, I remember everybody hated Charlie Rose, like, back in these days. Like, there was always, like, they were making fun of him and shit in the movies. Like, jabs at him like this shit. So, yeah, I mean, everybody knew it was, like, no one blew the whistle or yet. Yeah, it it was no surprise when it finally came out, it seemed. Yeah. Well, Joe wants the Roaches to stay out of sight for his date with Lily tonight, and they agree a little too easily. So he decides he's going to bribe them. He's got a big old ham steak, which he puts under the carpet, and they immediately drag it out, and it's gone. They devour it. Nothing left but the bones spinning in the floor. Now, they did that scene straight from the movie or from the short film. You know, and okay. I like the, the way they did it in the short film better. And this one, like the steak's not even cooked. It's just raw. He puts it down there. And uh, like in the movie, it's like at least a little cooked. You know, it looks like it's medium rare or something. And yeah, right. it's completely just a CGI spin thing, you know. Yeah. And then in, in the, in the, in it's the, got kind of a Wallace and Gromit look to it. Yeah, it's like weird. And then in uh, the stop motion thing that they did in the, the short film. 
it looks way better like the way they did it you know i don't I don't know why they did they well you know i know why they did cgi you know right? yeah but uh well once joe leaves the roaches decide that in spite of what they told joe they are going to help make joe's date special Back at the PISNS headquarters, a hostile takeover has taken place, and the urinal cake company has been taken over by a tampon company. <laughs> the security is rolling Mr. Smith out to the curb in his office chair. They are shutting down the urinal cake division, um, uh, complete with a bad joke about trickle-down economics. Also, I love how there's like just some repo guy that's rolling a big pink urinal cake down like New York City, <laughs> like in the business district and shit. Just yep. moving it down the street. No, no, they're closing you, buddy. We got to take this back. Yep. At the club that night, a pretty good punk band is on stage. Uh, the band is called Boss Hog. They are a New York punk band that's still active today. This is a band that was formed accidentally when a group was thrown together to fill a last-minute vacancy in the lineup at CBGB's in 1989. Nice. Yeah, and they're really good in this movie. Boss Hog is followed by Shit, featuring <laughs> Joe on drums. Also, uh, the that uh, the DJ or whatever, the guy, the announcer, that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's Moby when he had hair, and he was like yes. just getting yes, started. Yes, it is. He's a dickhead, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go into it. I like his music, and you know, no hate on Moby fans, but you know. well, we find out that Joe was being 100% honest when he said he couldn't play drums because Joe has less rhythm than I do. <laughs> he hits himself in the eye when he's doing the count off, he does, like one, yeah. two, and on three, it's like, ow, like <laughs> then he starts hitting the shit out of rhythm. Even even Walter starts making fun of Joe, and Joe leaves the stage. Outside, Lily tries to console Joe, and he confesses all of his lies to Lily. Lily still likes him, though. He asks about her boyfriend, and where, why isn't she with him? And she says, oh, he's, he's probably kissing my mom right now. And then she explains that it, that boyfriend was actually her dad. And they laugh and walk home together. It turns out her garden is becoming a success and she invites Joe or Joe invites her over to his house just as a bus drives by and splashes them both. He says he has a towel at his apartment that she can use. And that's when we get the best musical interlude of the entire freaking movie, Funky Towel. This is the best song on the soundtrack. It really is. It is a fantastic song. And they turned the whole thing into a Busby Berkeley-style dance number. <laughs> yeah. Busby Berkeley used to do those synchronized kaleidoscope swimming pool scenes. Well, like, yeah, in trick the photography 1930s. where, like, the chick would come out reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Which they've been parodied like crazy and everything, but including this. But, yeah, this one really went over. The, this is, like, the... Uh, centerpiece or whatever the movie is like that big it's where all the budget went folks <laughs> all the budget went into this busby berkeley toilet bowl scene yeah this is this is hollywood this is where the magic happens <laughs> well, they this continues until joe and lily arrive the roaches won't leave until joe joe is in the bathroom to get the towel the towel is in the toilet of course 
but the roaches aren't going to leave until Joe dances for him. So he does because Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, he does a little happy dance. Yeah. All right, I'll do a little, little doing that. Uh, that's doing just Jerry O'Connell dancing. Dance. He gets right into there. it in a second. And they, but he, they, they still won't leave. So he just flushes a bunch of them down the toilet. Yeah, they were goes, swimming. Hey. They were swimming. They they had made a peace sign in the toilet bowl. Yeah, they're like <laughs> swimming on their backs on a peace sign. And he just flushed them to Coney Island. And Ralph says, "Dude, <laughs> you just flushed our cousins. You just flushed our entire rhythm section." He says, "Well, why don't you join them? Because Lily's here with me." Oh, oh, we didn't know that. Well, Joe finally leaves, and he gives Lily a paper towel to dry off with, and then we get a. A really awkward scene where Joe is trying to dry off her back and brushes the strap of her top down and, and then puts it back, of course, trying not to be creepy. Awkward. Too late. It is so creepy. Yeah, no. Well, they drink a toast to life's little surprises, then a roach brings Joe a condom. <laughs> <laughs> Lily you're gonna is need very this, narrow. Joe. Yeah, you're going to need this, Joe. Lily is very narrowly avoiding seeing the roaches. And the roach, there's one bit where he's standing, he's standing uh, against the, the door. And when he steps away, there's his whole silhouette in roaches behind him. Yeah. That was a CGI cartoon shit they added. I mean, just Most talking this about been... this and saying roach over and over again is making my skin crawl. Yeah. No. It, uh, <laughs> when you think about it too much, it's kind of gross. Yeah. It really is. Well, the roaches are up in the overhead light, and they are the light is swinging back and forth so that they can see Joe and Lily on the couch. Well, they swing just a little bit too far, and this is what got me. The light, the light shade tips, and the roaches come raining down on them, and it's super close-up shots of Joe and Lily screaming in terror, mouth wide open as roaches rain down on their faces. Yeah, and then uh, tight shot on her cleavage, and they explode. They explode and up out of her like, boobs. Yeah, and then she's like kicking them out of her uh, lap, and then he's mortified. He's frozen, stricken in terror, and then she's two blocks down the street. Yeah, yeah, she runs out uh, of the of the building, and when she does, somebody has trashed her garden and lit it on fire. And she's had enough. Maybe the only thing the East Village is good for is a prison. Well, the roaches have ruined everything, and Joe has had it with them. He is going to kill all of the roaches. So he goes out, and he comes back in dressed as Rambo. <laughs> like, like, First Blood Part 2. Not, you yeah, know, the, not the, not one the first has, one. Yeah, the one not where the he goes one. back to Vietnam. The, yeah, the second one. Yeah. Um, and he has a bug bomb smoke grenade and he starts fumigating the apartment and roaches knock over his bowling trophy, which catapults the grenade out the window, but it also breaks the head off of his bowling trophy. And the bugs suggest, you know, if Joe's not careful, the same thing could happen to him. Yeah. Then he starts throwing roach traps around like they're throwing stars. Yeah, I love that. Like his, he's got a bandolier, and uh, <laughs> the bandolier is just those little roach hotels, and he just takes them off like GI Joe and starts like throwing them like ninja star. Also, there's like one part where after he throws the bug bomb, 
there's like a, a lady roach with her like eggs. Yes. With total CGI. She's like, my babies. <laughs> well, they knock over the roaches knock over a huge framed poster right on top of Joe, which knocks him out. And when he comes to, they have him tied down to the floor, Gulliver's travel style with Christmas lights. Oh yeah. And they are standing on his chest with a can of nuke roach spray. Well, as the roaches prepare to kill Joe, Vladimir and Jesus are creeping up the stairs to do the exact same thing. It turns out the roaches are planning to to poison Joe with bug spray because, you know, they talked to him. He knows things about them that most people don't know. And they can't just let him walk away knowing that stuff. Meanwhile, <laughs> Vladimir and Jesus are pouring gasoline all over the stairs. They're going to burn the place down. They light the gasoline and the front door of the apartment explodes, causing the roaches to scramble. Joe manages to get up, but he's still tied up with the, with the Christmas lights. He's just standing now. And he tries to hop out of the burning building. He goes falling down the steps and tumbling out the front door. Next morning, all that's left is rubble and Joe is tied up in a black trash bag. Like they knew in New York, they don't even take the dead bodies away. They just put them in a trash bag and leave them on the curb. Well, you saw what happened, you know, with the that shit guy. Two yeah, days. That's true. But Joe can fight his way out of a black plastic bag. A sign has been erected announcing the new prison at the complaint at the central complaint office. Lily is smoking a cigarette and not giving a crap about work. When Joe calls, she pretends she isn't Lily and explains that Lily is sick of everything, including Joe. Then she quits her job and runs out. Cut to yeah, she Joe. Like she... <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looked pretty rough. Yeah, she looked. She went from like looking like a homecoming queen or something at the beginning of the movie to like I don't know, like she'd been working in the central complaint office. Worse than that, she looked like <laughs> she'd been working the fucking streets. Her hair's all fucked up. Like she's just like I don't know. Her eyes are all sunken and shit. Yeah. Cut to Joe riding the city bus, and he rides past the alleyway where her garden was, and it's not there anymore. And Joe is heartbroken. Still, Joe is at the uh, pile of rubble calling for Ralph and Rodney. He is, they can have their city. He's going back to Iowa. And from behind him, you hear, well, here's a souvenir to take with you. And Joe turns around just as Jesus punches him in the face. <laughs> well, Ralph and Rodney show up and they love the new rubble pile. It's perfect. Then they find Joe passed out on the ground, and in a fit of guilt, they decide to make it up to Joe, including getting Lily back. Now, Rodney's not so sure about that part, and so Ralph gives a very inspirational speech that was only missing the slow clap at the end. <laughs> it would have been perfect with a slow clap. Yeah, it's like uh, Field of Dreams or some shit, like one of those, yeah. or uh, Brian's story or whatever, Brian Piccolo and shit. Yep. It's like a... And we get another montage as the roaches sift through trash, redirect mail, write memos, 
and alter the deed to the property where Joe lives. Next morning, the roaches break into a flower shop and steal all the flowers from it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mr. Smith is living on a sofa under a bridge and roasting a hot dog over a pile of burning urinal cakes. Yeah, he lives underneath that giant urinal cake now. It's like his roof. <laughs> well, the roaches want to borrow that giant urinal cake, and they roll it down the hill into the nasty water on the vacant lot, and it instantly turns all the nasty water crystal clean and pure, and then they roll out new sod, and flowers grow, and the urinal cake turns the nasty vacant lot into a park. It's literally an oasis. It's amazing. And also, yeah. there's an actual urinal cake. That thing was huge. <laughs> we get another musical interlude as the roaches surfed through the sewers on the new deed to the property. The senator, meanwhile, has arrived with Lily to dedicate the new prison. The senator thinks they might have come to the wrong address because he thought this was a vacant lot and not a park. Lily sees the park and she is absolutely thrilled. And then a giant pile of roaches builds up behind her. She turns around and sees them and she's horrified. And then the, the, the pile of roaches spills out and starts making the words Joe heart you on the grass and then all the roaches head down the sewer grate and that's when joe shows up he's got the deed to the park apparently all this land belongs to him now and he's giving it to lily and the senator has been won over he has agreed after seeing the park that this would do much better for the neighborhood than a prison ever would <laughs> well alberto bianco is there with jesus and vladimir Vladimir uh, can't resist the urge to to shove down an old lady who is walking past. I know, right? <laughs> Alberto wants the senator killed before the night is out. And Lily. And Joe. And you see all these people here? I want them all dead by the end, by of, the the end week. of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Don Ho. But the cockroaches... We hear the cockroaches call them, and when they look down underneath their feet, all three of them, is just a blanket of cockroaches, and they tinkle, 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 dink. And when the roaches scatter, the three of them are standing over an open manhole, and they drop down into the New York sewers. And that's the end of those guys. They Their mouth stretches as they scream, as they drop, yes. like a cartoon character. Like yeah, that, it's kind of a mom. Ren and Stimpy style drop there. Yeah, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> that night at Lily's apartment, Joe is in the bathtub and Ralph arrives in a toy boat to give Joe some love advice because, you know, he can't resist. Joe is uh, sleeping on the couch at, at Lily's apartment, it seems. Yeah, he says he can make the bed himself, and she's not so sure. She asked him if he's ever made a bed before, and he says, sure I am. Watch. And he grabs Lily, and they fall onto the floor. Mm. As Ralph delivers a spiritual address about reaching the promised penthouse, and then we get a roach church service as roaches just swarm through Lily's apartment uh, while Joe and Lily make out on the floor, including under a glass coffee table with roaches crawling all over the top of it. <laughs> yeah. Then we get our final song, So Long from Joe's Apartment, and roll credits, 
to the full version of Funky Towel. <laughs> hey, Mike. Yep. Roach. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, see, that's why nobody likes you, Jesse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought it's because I like shitty movies, but it's because you know, I'm just a prick. <laughs> oh, man. This 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 was such a fun movie, though. It if was. You, if, if you, you know, it's it's fun enough that you can disregard the gross-out humor. Yeah. And, and nostalgic, too. It's like just the nostalgia wipes yeah. away a little fucking grime that usually... But uh, yeah. yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun. And then the closing song is fantastic. Uh, I love the Bub- Busby Berkeley bit in the middle. That was wonderful. I understand why more films don't continue to use those scenes. That's great. <laughs> but this was a nice throwback. I liked it. Hell yeah. And uh, that's a podcast. Oh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDF Pod. Join us next time as we explore another movie's so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.